1: Hard-working people, working hard for you and me, moving higher, time and time again, through the years you'll find us here, moving higher. Hello and
0: welcome to the Moving Iron Podcast, Marks and Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to actontire.com and also Tractor Zoom Delivering Insights. If you're looking for a great way to uh, track what's going on in the auction market, use Tractor Zoom's Iron Comp's 500 independent auction houses uh, to track that data and to see what's happened. So if you're looking forward to doing something like that and you decide to move forward with it, use Moving Iron to check out and get yourself a discount uh sean hack nice enough to come on twice a week now to talk about what's going on in the marketplace and we're going to briefly hit what's going on in the uh with the pro farmer tour a little bit here but also more importantly it is soft market day here with sean and uh, sean does a great job of tracking those um what's going on in the orange juice and coffee and cotton and sugar and all those all those fun things that don't get a lot of a lot of play on the uh on the normal news here so Sean, let's start with this pro farmer comes out today. I think it's one thirty central, um, kind of a culmination of everything they've done so far and what that looks like. Um, what I've kind of briefly peeked through state by state, not seeing a bunch of stuff there that shocked me at all. Um, pretty much what we've talked about and what we've seen and, and the, the stuff we've read about, there's nothing really there. That's, that's uh, outlandish by any means. So I guess as you take a look at that information and what you see pro farmer doing so far, um, anything jumping at you as a, as a big shocker.
1: I didn't see anything that shocked me. Um, it, just, well, it really comes down to, and I think we've said this before, will the current harvested acres number hold, from the USDA or not meaning I believe that there's a lot of harvested acres that the USDA is counting that will not are not harvested acres in reality they need to drop the harvested acres by several million acres at least but they have tended in history to be reticent to do that they don't like to do that they prefer that's the number we're going to work with that number and then they change demand or change yield they, or, or they eventually get around to changing acres you know Nine months down the road. but I, I, So I'm assuming the USDA is going to stick with the number fairly closely. If that's the case with the pro-farmer tour for me verified pretty much what I think is out there, which would be a low 170 yield crop, assuming those harvested acres hold. Now, if they bring those harvested acres down, then they can move the yields into the, into the mid-170s. It doesn't change the net. The, the output stays the same. It's just a question of how the USDA pl- shuffles the numbers to get to the to, to the ending stocks and that sort of thing. But the takeaway from all this, I didn't see anything that changes that outlook that we've had that we've talked about on your show for quite some time. Similar last year, low 170s yield with a carryout between one billion bushels and and a billion three, and we're just not going to have a whole lot of corn lying around, and we're gonna ha- and we need to have a really good growing cycle coming up, and uh, which means anything goes wrong. And, uh, you know, markets are going to continue to be very volatile and, and react violently with that kind of an ending stocks. So,
0: okay. So if, uh, pro farmer comes out today and they, they hit, they basically just reinforce what the USDA came out with earlier this month, uh, when they had the August crop report came out, what do you think the market's going to do based on that information? I think they're going to be, take that as a very, uh, you know, kind of backing up the, the bearish sentiment of that report? Or do you feel like they're going to still do that wait and see and see what September brings out?
1: Well, I mean, the markets already decided, right? They already took the U.S. Day report and said, yeah, but harvest is coming. It's good enough. We're going to wait until late September when we get better, better information. We're going to sell. So if they come out and verify the Day report, then it's not going to stop the speculator from selling the grain markets. They're just going to keep selling. <laughs> Right. And so I don't think you, know, you need to, to stop the down seasonal from mid-August to mid-September so powerful, um, Casey, that in order to override that, you really need a big stick to bludgeon that bearish trend. I mean, last year it was Chinese demand and yields too high it combined that we were able to actually have a counter-seasonal trend. I don't see it. I don't see it. I think, you know, weather's off the table. Looks pretty, you know, it looks like we're gonna have okay weather the rest of August. US Day's made their claim. Harvest results aren't going to be sufficient enough to change the market's mind until mid-late September. So the speculator is gonna say, you know what? I've been taught I'm supposed to sell. And right now the markets are going down, they're trending down, they're breaking resistance. I'm being proven right. The trend is your friend, I'm gonna keep selling. And that's I we believe that's what's gonna happen. And that has been our long riding forecast that we would see. Uh, bear's trends from late July, early August into into September harvest time, and and it looks like the markets are verifying that trend right now.
0: Yep. Okay. All right. Well, let's jump over and talk about what's going on in soft markets um, right now. Cotton is uh, on a few people's mind. We ha- we saw ninety five cents the other day for just a little bit, and with the we had a pretty big tropical depression, I guess, kind of roll through Georgia. In and in the southeast there, and uh, there's a few other kind of knocking on the door, but that looks like they're going to kind of swing one way or the other, might miss the, the mainland of the Gulf of Mexico or uh, the Atlantic coast altogether. So I guess as you take a look what's going on in the cotton market, um, you know, we're still got a long ways to go in hurricane season. You know that for sure. And with cotton the way it is, I guess, what are your thoughts on cotton right now? And, and, and what are some of the things that you're paying attention to?
1: I really think we're not going to place the high until we have a hurricane scare and that means a big bullseye into texas the deep south area you know the gulf area and uh, we think it's very likely that's going to happen between now and mid late september i believe at the exact cyclical top for hurricanes is september 14th i think it is so and la nina is strengthening I mean, we're, we're. I mean, the the trends towards La Nina is strengthening. So, where La Nina tends to support lower wind shear, um, and, and tends to excite the hurricane season. So, when we look further out in our kind of our work, it looks like that we could have a very very active uh, first week of September here into the second week of September with Gulf based uh, storms. And so, you know, we just think we need to get. That trade out of the cotton market system. Oh my gosh! Here's this big, massive hurricane coming into the key cotton areas of Texas, and so we need to trade that. And once we do, we think we can place a top for the year. But until then, you know, we're just believing the market is just holding back, waiting for that opportunity to have a whatever it's going to be, limit up, limit up, and then you're just going to you're going to have the spike trade print the top and then, and then it's all over. So with that, that to us, and whether you could say the same thing for uh, something like uh, orange juice, you know, orange juice market would have the potential for that kind of action in a Florida based hurricane. Right. So, so those two markets are really what I'd call hurricane event driven for the next 30 to 45 days. And both those markets are likely to have very, very big spike trades on Those kinds of concerns, which we think are going to escalate as this La Niña in this, and we reach the cyclical peak here, the hurricane season. So, so that would be to me to be something to watch for, if you know, as a as a as a buyer protecting upside risks, or as a seller selling right, selling after the market reacts to those kind of weather events. Those tend to be your anti-climatic. Top's um when you when you when you go oh my gosh it's the most bullish scenario I could ever imagine that's your top and so be ready for that be ready for that because we think it's coming
0: so okay. all right so moving into uh, sugar beet harvest for a lot of the country uh, all the country that. that Grow Sugar beets right now. They're moving into that early dig season, um, especially where we're at. It starts uh, 1st of September. Uh, usually runs for about two or three weeks, and then they kind of open it up to everybody. But um, as this early dig starts, um, sugar has made some pretty good moves here of late. We're seeing some strong sugar numbers. A lot of that's translated back to what we see happening with uh, some freezes in Brazil and on, on sugarcane and stuff like that, like we've talked about earlier. But do you think, as you take a look at what's going on in sugar, do you think that there's a good opportunity for sugar to, to maintain that, that path into a, uh, uh, a higher price through harvest?
1: Well, uh, the only way you're going to relieve this shortage is you have to get the Indian crop and the Thailand crop supplies onto the marketplace. Both of them look like they're having pretty good crops. We think we're going to have some pretty big sugar crops out of them. But you know, those supplies don't really become available, Casey, till the fourth quarter. Okay. So in the meantime, there's no one else that's gonna it's gonna fill this the, the supply gap left over from the Brazil drought, the Brazil frost, and shoving too much sugarcane over to ethanol. There's, there's no way you're gonna you just can't overcome that. So we have a shortage. And the shortage, so the question is how high do we have to go in the short run to get to those bigger supplies that are gonna be swamping the market here in the fourth quarter? I, you know, I, we, we've been saying all along that we thought this 20 to 22 cent area is probably high enough to do that, to, to, to kind of push ethanol demand, you know, the, the, to push the production of ethanol back to sugar, to ease back demand for sugar to the extent that you can. Um, we think that we're, you know, we're at 20 and a half today, Casey, I mean, we're, we're, we don't think there's a whole lot more upside to the sugar market, maybe another penny or two maybe. Uh, But we think we have priced most of it unless there's some really back end last minute weather problem that develops in India or Thailand that takes those crop off the top, uh, which we don't see happening. You know, it looks to me like we're, we're we're getting pretty close to the finish line here on sugar for now. Um, You know, A September top would seem perfectly logical to us, and then the market will start to worry about these bigger supplies coming from Asia, and then start, of course, to head down in advance of those of those supplies, like harvest pressure. Right? Think of it as the grain markets going down ahead of harvest. Well, they the sugar price will be down ahead of the Indian and the Thailand harvest in the fourth quarter. So,
0: okay, let's talk about talk about the dollar for just a little bit. Fed has had said a few questions, kind of hinted that. They thought they might start tapering um, sooner than they had actually uh, admitted to uh, at, at the Fed meeting earlier this, the Fed meeting last month. This week, they hinted towards uh, maybe doing some tapering that, that could throw a wrench in a few things. Um, never really said they were going to raise interest rates. They were just going to talk about uh, tapering what they were actually, um, what, you know, what they were actually buying off the marketplace. So I guess as you take a look at the dollar right now, very pro export right now, as far as the way the strength of the dollar is and what that looks like, um, going into harvest right now, and with the situation in Brazil, do you feel like there could be a rush to get exports from, you know, for example China, if he's, they start to see some some interest rates rising, rising, that they might jump on that a little bit and, and hit get it while the dollar is still weaker than what we've seen in the past.
1: Well, I think what what the Fed Reserve is talking about, and they, they're at Jackson Hole next week. They have the big Jackson Hole meeting where supposedly yeah. all these really smart financial guys go and have drinks and whatever they do there. But um, uh, what he's trying to say is they've been printing $120 billion a year, a, a month. They've been printing that money, and they've been buying bonds and buying whatever they've been buying, but mostly, mostly bonds. Um, and what they're saying with tapering means that they're going to spy less. So instead of right. printing 120 billion, maybe they will only print 60 billion, tapering, you know, reducing the amount of purchases. And then we we this what they did this, you know, the last time where they gradually tapered, gradually tapered, gradually tapered. Um, so they're they're, they're threatening that they're going to pull back on this uh, money printing. That doesn't mean raising interest rates yet. Just first you taper. Right. You stop money printing, and then you raise the interest rates if you feel you, that that didn't do enough to ease back you know, some of these inflationary pressures or, or whatever the reason they're doing it. So um, I think it's all a bunch of hot, well, hogwash. They're, they're, they're just blowing a bunch of hot air to try to convince the market that they still have legitimacy and they still have things they can do. But when I look out ahead and I see consumer confidence dropping at the largest level, the actually the... Uh, only four, well, three other times has it dropped that large from one month to the next. When I see the Delta virus starting to, you know, really escalate globally, and we're seeing a, you know lockdowns in New Zealand. Not that New Zealand is that important to the global economy, but you know, it's a psychology thing, right? And yep. then, uh, and then I look at at you know China that their latest economic numbers look really slow compared to what everyone we was expecting. How in the world is the Federal Reserve really going to taper? With all those risks out there, I don't think they're going to do anything. But I think they want to talk the market down. I think the inflation got a little too heated here, Casey, in the last two to three months. And I think they got a little nervous. And then I think they're trying to talk the inflation market down. And so far, they've been successful. The commodities have been getting hit pretty hard here the last couple of weeks. I mean, pretty rich. crude oil, 75, down to about 61, 62. Yep which is one of the most important markets to get down because everybody consumes something having to do with crude oil, whether it's gasoline, whether it's diesel, any, you know, something you bought that's that transportation costs, all those sort of things. So, um, you know, copper getting crushed, you know, from, was it, 460 down to 401. So these are big declines we're seeing. And so they're getting what they want, Casey. Okay, so they're getting a short-term knockdown in some of these commodity-priced inflationary items that were getting a little carried away. But ultimately, I don't think they're going to do anything. I just think they wanted and saw an opportunity to talk the market down, and they're getting what they want right now. And that's part of this reason why we've been a little bearish, as you know, on your show, worrying about the fall, because we thought this kind of talk would start coming out and knock a lot of these markets down and, and shove some of these speculators you know, out of these markets for a little while. And that's what's happening right now. So that seems to be the trend, at least into September. Jackson Hole, I'm sure they're just going to repeat what you just said. We're going to taper. We're thinking about it. We, you know, we're, we're really looking at it. And, and, and so long as the markets are acting the way they want, they're just going to keep talking. <laughs> right.
0: Okay. Right. Yeah. Yep.
1: Okay. And, then th- and then think of it this way. Another month from now, they're going to, you know, we've assessed the situation globally. And because of the Delta virus and blah, 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 we're on hold now. Yeah, we're, we're, we're tapers off the. T- you, you, I I can tell we're gonna be on your show and we're gonna talk about how they're rolling back to tapering ideas. I am sitting here telling you that's probably a couple only a couple of months away from where they're gonna. Oh yeah, we changed our mind. Thanks. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, there's a lot of moving parts, man. There's a ton of stuff going on. Do you feel like with this talk that it could spur any any more exports out of the U.S. before they you know with the way the dollar is right now? Do you think I could trying to get ahead of maybe some possible move by the Fed?
1: If the market, if the powers, there's what's said publicly Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that we hear, you know, the narrative, right? They call it the narrative, what they want everyone to hear, what they actually talk to each other behind closed doors may, they may already know it's definitely not happening. So, so if, 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 if the Chinese authorities or, and other authorities really believe they're going to do something, then yes, I believe they will come rushing in for exports at some point later this year because they're going to try to get ahead of a strong dollar and a weaker local currency in those countries. But if 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 it's all talk and they know amongst themselves the Fed is absolutely not going to do anything, then, they, then of course they have no reason to do that. So it really depends whether my working theory that I just laid out is correct or not – but I, I would say keep an eye on those exports because if all of a sudden we see a jump up in exports, like just out of nowhere, it will tell you that we probably are going to see the Fed taper. That might be a really good indication of whether my theory of them just talking but not doing versus doing, you know, that may be a, a great uh, uh, pre signal that they're ready to actually taper and they're not just talking about it. I think they're just talking about but that would be a great signal. It would help prices for. A Little bit, you know, you get like a shot up on some of these exports, but it'll be very short lived. Very gotcha. short lived. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. Good stuff as usual, Sean, man. Plenty of stuff moving on here. If folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what Hackett Financial can do for them. What's the uh, best way to f- figure that out?
1: Our website is Hackett, H A C K E T T, advisors.com. We have interviews, podcasts, sample reports, white papers um, to see if what we do. And, and how we look at things you know, might be of value to those listening to your show.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Make sure you go check that out. That's HackettAdvisors.com. There's a lot of great information there. Um, a, lot of, just, a lot of good just media spots that Sean shows up on a lot of stuff that he's done there. So make sure you check that out. So I'm Casey Seam with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast, any blogs I have posted. Also go to uh, movingironllc.com. You can find the entire library of the Moving Iron Podcast as well as the Moving Iron blog. So um, any information that you're looking for for the Moving Iron Summit coming up, Check that out, too, in the upper uh, navigation bar. Go to the Moving Iron Summit and check, uh, check that out, agenda speaker. Sean's going to be there talking about what's going on there. So there'll be a lot of great information that comes out of that. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. Let's go to some smart, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology.